They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Hello and welcome to the Juan Juan Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, consider signing up for the Patreon. There you get ad-free content, early access, exclusive episodes, and monthly supporter hangouts. You can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Juan on Juan podcast with your host, Juan Ayala. path which is a different path but they believed all metals and minerals basically grew out of this like slimy substance that's like the physical manifestation of the primordial chaos you know the whole as above so below idea there's like the the chaos of the above and the the idea of it being physically manifest within the earth and that producing the different and growing metals like in the earth like they grow and they evolve and ripen out of the substance and the earth is like the womb that incubates metals i mean metals are found in the earth and mines so like we mine them you know so it kind of makes sense um all metals in their interpretation are basically just gold in various states of their evolution Everywhere, if you're on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, share with your friends, etc., etc. Patreon, you know where to get everything on the description. 
and today I am joined by Sky from the Philosophical Minds podcast. And if you haven't checked out the episode I did with him, I'm going to link it in the description because that shit was dope. And not just because I was on it, but because it's a dope show. So check that out. What's up, Sky? How you doing, man? What's up, man? Not too bad. How about yourself? Doing all right. Where can people find your social media or your podcast or whatever you'd like to plug for the people to to look you up at home? So the podcast is Philosophical Minds Podcast. Um, you can pretty much find it on any RSS feed out there, Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. Um, and the Instagram is Philosophical Minds Podcast as well as the YouTube. So it's pretty much across the board. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll post the link to the show that we did. It was pretty good. And we did it a little while ago, actually. It was probably a few months ago. So make sure to check that out. And on the homunculus. Yeah, on the homunculus, which is everybody's favorite subject. Unfortunately, I'm kind of known in the community for that. Not I'm not the, it's not my proudest fap, but it is what it is, right? Once you start talking I like to bring forth new ideas because everybody kind of sort of talks about the same things over and over again. So I like to dig up I'm in the trenches all the time digging up new stuff and new ideas and new concepts and bringing them forth. So, Scott, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, man, and what got you? Because I know you told me you do a little bit of alchemy. Your podcast focuses a lot on alchemy. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you started and what got you started podcasting and all this craziness, dude? Sure. All right. So uh, my name is Skylar Mathis. I go by Sky. Um I enjoy graphic design, canvas art, exploring the mountains. I do a podcast, obviously, as I mentioned, Philosophical Minds. Um, But these days, I spend a lot of time, you know, exploring the esoterica, alchemy, philosophy, spirituality, and I just try to speak truth as far as I can see it. Um, I'm a huge advocate for freedom of speech, freedom of expression, uh, just freedom in general, (laughs) although I think freedom does come with responsibility i'm a i'm a fan of that quote uh discipline equals freedom uh i enjoy you know making online content um in a day job i operate a cnc machine at a cabinet shop got a son he's almost two and yeah i just try my best to kind of be the best version of myself and live life in a harmonious way and primarily live by the non-aggression principle i guess if i was to kind of sum it up and yeah, I think that, you know, what kind of got me into alchemy? That's an interesting question. Um, so was, this is going to be interesting because I was trying to think of how we could go about because I know we're going to be getting into alchemy. And I think alchemy or alchemies, maybe a better word, like a plurality, although it's really one thing from many different perspectives. But I think I, I posted something a while back uh The idea was something along the lines of in order to get like a real sense of any word uh, or to attempt to define it um, and what it means, you kind of have to hit it from all angles, so to speak. (laughs) But um, yeah, like, you know, different truths and trying to find the truth of different meanings of words, you basically have to immerse yourself in the context that surrounds it. 
like on all sides. And so that's kind of a lot of what I've been trying to do with my explorations into alchemy with my podcast and a lot of the different interviews that I do with various guests who are very in, in, immersed in this work, um, both spiritually as well as on an operative laboratory level. Um, so I saw a great meme just this morning, actually, uh, about truth. And it was really cool because so it was like an object and the object of the thing itself was in the center of the image. And then there's a light shining on it and it casted a shadow on two different walls. And maybe you've seen this before, but one wall gives a specific shaped shadow that's being projected. And the other wall, it gives a different shadow because of the perspective of the wall in relation to the object itself. Um, Cause they're at different angles in relation to the truth in the center. So uh, the object, you know, was the thing representing truth. And so the truth was the object being looked at. And then both of the seemingly different shadows that were casted on each of the walls, they were both true as well, but they had a different appearance. So this image, you know, depicted it just a static object, very comprehensible. So now if we move from that to looking at something like alchemy and the truth of alchemy or what is alchemy, to me, that's so huge. It's like, because if, if we're looking at alchemy, it's basically a, a deeper inquiry into the nature of reality itself and the codes of creation or destruction and the multidimensional patterns and forces and archetypal fields of formation from mentality to physicality and kind of how they all dance with each other. Because honestly, like the only constant is changed truly the nature of substance itself of matter and of soul and may appear for a duration of time as static or you know it may appear to maintain a consistent state and that's just an appearance of stability or solidity but it's all at the fundamental core emotional it's it's energy in motion and it's all a dance of vibration and spin states and light combinations and various states of decay or generation of death and rebirth or consciousness is basically encapsulated within our soul within this corporeal temporal vessel and our body and our avatar and that kind of this is like our vehicle of experience as we know it in this earthly realm um and that's basically all to say that with you know alchemy the thing that's being desert observed is basically the principles by which the ever-changing truth of reality itself operates by and its functionality and its patterns and processes and all of the will workings of nature itself so it's it's all about finding out where we are as conscious living souls and what kind of systems are at play and how do we relate to them or work with them in order to navigate more effectively within the confines of our human limitations. Do you do you do any of the practical alchemy? Like the work the lab I've done stuff? very I've done some minor distillations and I do some evaporations of sea salts. Super simple, basic nothing complex um i 
have a lot of friends and contacts who are super deep into advanced Vigeria and those are kind of the people that I go to as my guides and look to if I'm going to be engaging in more of the work of eventually, which I do want to do. But I basically right now I'm pretty limited um, in terms of, you know, just my overall stuff I got going on in life and all that. But yeah, super basic. So I'm by no means any expert. Um, I defer to people that are a lot more experienced than myself. And those are kind of the people that I interview on my podcast. But I can speak a lot more to the philosophy and, you know, my understandings of what has been conveyed to me through other people, mostly. Yeah, and the, that's the beautiful part about alchemy, that it's such a it's such a diverse topic. And last night I was doing an episode on Fulcanelli, like I had told you. And one of the things that people do is one of the one of my co-hosts on that show is like when people google what alchemy is the first thing that they're greeted with it's like oh the the predecessor of chemistry and it's like they were trying to make turn lead into gold that's the basic most exoteric explanation of alchemy and i remember when i first started diving into it i would i would google sometimes the same thing because we're reading all these books and we're looking through all these different texts and reading about all these ancient alchemists and right they say it started in in egypt right that's the the original hermes trismegistus was the one that originally started the movement allegedly right and it was never clear to me but the more i studied it the more i dove into i go oh wait a minute it's it's there's more to it than, and it kind it kind of sort of is whatever you want it to be. Cause I also know people who do the actual practical work and they say it's very important. Now I'm not an SO, an esoterist. I'm not a, a, an occultist or an alchemist. Although my, when I got my birth chart read, she told me I have the birth chart of an alchemist. My soul card is the hierophant, the man of mysteries, and she said that because my the way that my chart is set up, I'm naturally drawn to the mysteries. So you could say I kind of maybe I was an alchemist in my past life. Who who knows? I don't know. And we're doing alchemy right now. We're transmuting the thoughts of people real time. Exactly. So and I wanted to read real quick from the mystery of the cathedrals, because my journey with alchemy, again, I started trying to really pin it down like oh this is what it is what are these guys on about and it just it's warped into so many other different things and it's really whatever you want it to be at the end of the day so he goes on to say this is from the mystery of the cathedrals the introduction of alchemy isn't gold making what is it Wilmhurst has defined it as the exact science of the regeneration of the human soul from its present sense immersed state into the perfection and nobility of the divine condition in which it was originally created. However, he immediately goes on to offer a second definition, which clearly implies that as with gold making, soul making is again only a specific case. By interference, a general theory of alchemy might be ventured. Alchemy is a total science of energy transformation. 
And he goes on to talk about how he goes on the action of an absolute and differentiating a prime source substance into a phenomenal universe is an operation in alchemy. The creation of galactic matter from energy and the creating of energy from matter is alchemy. God is an alchemist. And he goes on to talk about how all these different things of, of evolution, right? As you will, it's not that it happened by mistake. It was a controlled, it's, it's a controlled demolition, right? If it did, if we did rise from this primordial ooze, it was all done intentionally. So he goes on to this whole thing, but essentially it's whatever you want. Cause dude, can you imagine? I mean, and, <laughs> and all these guys in history, bro, because one of the things that's always bugged me, it's like this reality that we live in because right. John D supposedly figured out with Mon the Monus hieroglyphica, how to, how to alchemize reality, how to break reality down and step outside of it. But what if it's all bullshit, bro? Because, but then there's so much history around symbolism and around even alchemy itself. And you look at the Renaissance era, the 16th, 17th century, and how symbols ruled everything, dude. But then I go, what if it's all bullshit? What if there is nothing? And what if these dudes were just hermits that were trying to, I don't know. Whenever I think of an alchemist, bro, I think of somebody who's mixing their, their bodily fluid, like boiling their piss. Like that's the first thing that I comes to mind as soon as I think I of mean, it. I mean, hey, that's... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are many. But um, no, I think that's awesome. I think it's cool, too, that you brought up Fulcanelli because he's someone I haven't, you know, disclosure, I have not read his books in full, but I've been poking through him a lot lately and pulling some really good quotes from him. Uh, the Mystery of the Cathedrals. And then I forget what the name of the other one is. Dwelling of Philosophers. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. You yeah, yeah. You said you're not an occultist. Or an alchemist. And yeah, I was going to say I might beg to differ on that. Um, and just by virtue of the subject matters of your podcast and your interests. And if I'm not mistaken, you do produce something called the Occultist Monday. Is that correct? Yeah, I do a little journal of esoteric so I, and occult topics. Yes. So I'd be curious, what? how do you define what an occultist is then in your opinion? In my opinion, an occultist is a person who practices actively the use of, again, some sort of magical system. The only magical system that I could perhaps use that I could say that I've used is the power of manifestation in some sort of way, the power of idea really concentrating. And I've talked about the skullfuck method a couple of times on my show, which is considered chaos magic i guess is what it would be called it's a dream recollection system but an occultist to me is a person who actively practices any sort of magical system now i am what some people would call an armchair occultist because i sometimes will know more than the average person on the topic but that's only because of all the hours that i've dedicated to my it's my hobby <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I would fall under that kind of category with you as well. More of an inquirer and a bystander of interest into a lot of these things. Um, but then if you kind of get into, you know, different people's opinions on what constitutes magic, then you get into language and the use of language and 
symbols and symbolism and all that it's like where does it begin where does it end in terms of what is magic like if i'm creating a symbol for my podcast am i creating a sigil and does that sigil carry a particular energetic uh tonality to it that's on some subconscious level being instilled and communicated to the people that are seeing it so it's like i don't know it's it's interesting to kind of talk about and find where people's lines are in terms of what's magic or what's occult or hidden and what defines you know all of this so i've I've done that i've done so for example when it comes to vitruvius and and architecture one of the things that i've talked about is the pythagorean palaces and how doing certain things will invoke levels of consciousness into something right some sort of talisman and for example he said that the any any good treaty should be 216 pages in length so that 216 number i've used it in for example my cultus mundi well the columns are exactly 216 points wide some of the font will be 33 why big right uh, another one whatever 11 12 like because i do think that one of the things about this reality it all goes back to mathematics now funny thing about that is that i was very bad at mathematics during my school years <laughs> i was horrible at it and i didn't you understand it so i think that by using how, you, how you're saying like you sign kind of sort of because that's essentially what we're doing we're putting these symbols out, they are sigils. They are charged. Even if you don't intentionally, if you don't, you're not intentionally putting it out there, but you're charging it by you creating this. So again, you're transferring your energy from this thing and putting it out. And obviously as a content creator, people are intaking it. So they're interacting with that energy and they're, how you said matter doesn't change. You can, right. There's projection where you, where you can change the different levels of purification of matter but matter itself isn't going to interact with one another unless it's again that's what the alchemist does he interacts with different things now i like alkindi's worldview where everything puts out light right and everything is a ray of light and as the light of whatever your light and my light when they interact they cause an alchemical reaction and whatever that reaction is is either our perceived reality or, or occulted reality, occulted dimension, whatever you want to call it. But essentially everything puts out light. And he also said, like, when you sacrifice an animal, you're snuffing that light out and you use that energy in order to manipulate it and put it towards something else. So this is why I believe the elites do practice alchemy. They do practice the occult because they take these principles, alchemy from the ninth century, and they go, okay, well, if you snuff the light out, you can use that light for something else. And hence, cer- ceremonial magic, essentially. Definitely. Yeah, I think I've heard you mention that Alkindi before, and I think I did tune into that episode that you did about that. Um, I'm curious, maybe you might have some more insight, uh, maybe not. Something I wanted to eventually get into with some future guests in terms of like sacrifice, so say, you know, when people are sacrificing animals to these gods or just sacrificing anything, because I mean, say right now, if I was to go sacrifice a chicken, what does that even, 
mean or look like? Does that mean I just go kill a chicken and then just say, I'm sacrificing this in the name of whatever God and that's my act of killing it is the sacrifice itself or is that what it entails? And I don't know. I'm kind of curious what you've come across in that regard. I forgot who it was. So I have a friend of mine who he he's written or he's done an episode on the mechanics of sacrifice and I'll, I'll put you in touch with him cause he goes hard and oh, yeah, that'd be interesting from my understanding. Cause I just did an episode on the world grid and the practice of not the practice of, but egregores and things of this nature because the homunculus plays into that but the idea that there are these lines ley lines and the actual longitude and latitude system being some sort of talisman that john d was at the core of these lines are charged through how you're saying the actual act of it i would consider it the the sacrifice now the remember the blood what they do with the blood is an, is another thing they either pour it on. I've seen I've watched various videos of, for example, I, I believe it was in Africa. I don't know if it was voodoo or what, what they were doing, but they were, they usually would kill a chicken and they would just spray the blood everywhere. Right. And what they were doing is I forgot the name of it. I've, I've pulled it up before, but these dancing huts and essentially they're powered by these demons or these entities that are inside of them but you need to offer something up to appease whatever god it is or deity that you're trying to bring forth as an offering because what people it's like the the faustian pack what are you willing to give up bro well i'm willing to give this up to you either you give up your you know what i'm saying like i'm gonna offer this to you if you give me something it's the bro the the full metal alchemist the equip the law of equivalent exchange or whatever it's called where you give something up in return for what you're going to get. And I, I think that goes so that's at the core of everything that we do, because people think that you can just take, take and take. And I do believe that there are like this karmic balance system that is playing even in the background. Because, I mean, look at all the richest people in history, bro. Look at any Rockefeller or any or any Rothschild. They're they're like soulless shells. Cause I mean, you give up so much in order to achieve and any wealthy person I know, bro, they're usually unhappy. They're usually cause it, the monetary stuff doesn't do it for them. And they usually take on some sort of drug problem or, or they're just soulless beings. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that in moderation, how Pythagoras is saying, that's why they, they would, they would look at everything as a triangle because if you had a problem, you break it down into three parts. And when you solve one part of it, you're you know, one third of the way done with it. So I think everything is a moderation is, is the key. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting. I was just kind of thought it was odd. Like even like looking at biblical scriptures and stuff where they're talking about like sacrificing um, a bunch of animals to gods or whatever. It's like, I'm always like, so they're just killing a bunch of animals and then just like what, leaving them, leaving them in some spot where are they like, are they, are they being cooked and is somebody eating them or like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just always like yeah. kind of wondered what all, no, I know. Cause like you... if you were, I don't know if it was some, yeah, if it was like an actual priest or something like a physical person, I mean, Hey, they might be just getting a whole bunch of meat cooked up for them and just saying it's 
going to God or something like that back in the day. Who knows? Yeah, well, they they <laughs> said know. that he would he would like the smell of burning flesh. So I mean, you would burn them or you would do something else. And and if you extrapolate that, because the the concept of sacrifice, if you really think about it, I mean, we're do, we're sacrificing something, not just animals, because that's one that's one aspect of it, but. If you think about the concept of time, you're sacrificing time in order to do something. So when you're at work, you're sacrificing your your life as your life force, as every single day that you're grinding and every single even on this podcast right now, we're sacrificing time that we could be doing something else in order to be here in order to put this message out. So I think that's why sometimes we attract different things because we're sacrificing to whatever this for if it i believe in god i believe in, in in a god that's out there controlling the world the universe whatever this reality i just don't subscribe to mainstream religion because i think that we all have pieces of the puzzle They're, the puzzles just jumbled up and whenever i've met somebody who says that they have the answer to something they're usually full of shit so that's why i can't trust one person right because how you said it's all about perception and it's different, right? The people in the Middle East saw our guy as Muhammad and then we saw him as Jesus and the other people saw him as Buddha because they're all standing on different parts of if it's a globe, if it's flat, who cares? Whatever this thing is. And I think that there's so many factors at work, familial, cultural, societal, all these different things at work that form this collective conscious too on top of that because I think that also plays a role into it though. The yeah. mind is powerful, bro. Definitely. Yeah. I totally agree. And you know, that this makes sense, like in terms of us sacrificing our time and to have this podcast or, you know, like I sacrifice my, my energy to make a financial wage or something along those lines. But then when I think about like back in the day, like sacrificing all these animals or even humans, it's like, to me, that just seems like waste unless there was some tangible results from it which i mean i don't know maybe there was but i don't know it just always has been an interesting thing to me but, so there's this book um, you can check it out and yeah, i'll we, send you a copy of it it's called let me find it here it was ben analog that put me onto it and he talks about how right you do it in return for a blessing from the deity or this force that is at the center of it all, right? These these lines are charged, and it's called the mystery. The golly, subtle. I can't find it. Got so many books, even in PDF, bro. The mysteries. Here we go. It's called the mysteries, unveiling the knowledge of subtle energy and ritual. And he gets into everything, bro. I mean, he gets into alchemy. He gets into egregores. He get in, he gets into megalithic structures, numbers. He gets into so much, and it all goes back down to you do it in return for something else. And I mean, all of these lines yeah, that, that the, the major cities are on like the 33rd parallel it's right along the some of the richest cities in the world and it's also cuts along the the death row states so think about all those states that are powering this line and off and giving those souls up because energy cannot be created nor destroyed it can only be transformed 
Again, back to alchemy. So when you transform it, where does the energy go? Well, it goes somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I've always found the the ley line thing super interesting. That's one of the I'm fascinated with all that stuff. And for me, I mean, you know, in terms of actual life sacrifice, it's just super sketch. And, you know, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about like the whole non-aggression principle. I definitely think that there's like karmic repercussions for anything along those lines. Um, but then it's interesting too, when you think about things like, it's like, where's the lines in terms of, you know, like even the commandment thou shall not kill. It's like, okay, thou shall not kill. Does that apply to like flies? Does that apply to like microorganisms? You know what I mean? So it's like, where do you, where do you start and where do you end? Because our bodies are essentially living off of other entities all the time. And then, so it's like, at what point of consciousness does it become acceptable to uh, take other life in order to feed your life? You know what I mean? Are you vegan or anything, bro? No, I actually did do veganism for about a year or so. And then I found out I wasn't vegan. Um, it's very hard to be, it was really expensive for one to kind of get all the nutrients needed to sustain myself properly, um, with a vegan diet. And yeah, I kind of came to the realization that there's an ethical way to like when an animal is a certain mature age, I feel like in my mind, it's moral and acceptable that the animal dies for other life forms like us to be sustained. So I think there's like ethical hunting that I pretty much agree with. Um, I try to support that when I can, but you know, not always, <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely not vegan. How about you? No, I'm not vegan, bro. I love meat. So I'm going to, so I, I pulled up, I have encyclopedia, the, uh, the encyclopedia, the encyclopedia, encyclopedia of magic and alchemy and i looked up sacrifice on here and there's a there's a few different things so for example baka an evil loa or god in bodun who can only be evoked and commanded by the most powerful magical adepts a hogan or mambo baka is summoned to curse others with misfortune havoc and death he is appeased by blood sacrifices of a black rooster or a black goat or something explicit that I'm not going to say. In such appeasement rituals, the priest takes the role of the loa. So, again, this is some of the, the lure behind it. Then we have blood and magic, a source of considerable power that is unleashed in a ritual of sacrifice, usually the killing of an animal or a fowl, but sometimes a human. Bloodshed in a ritual is believed to have magic powers to appease deities and spirits, cause uh, peace deities and spirits cause spirits to appear, ensure good harvests and good luck, and to provide a source of magical power to the magician. Blood sacrifices are part of most grimoires derived from ancient Hebrew rituals calling for animal sacrifices to please God. And we have animal blood. Animal blood is used in folk charms and spells. The blood of a black cat said to cure pneumonia. A black hen beat to death with a white cane will provide blood that can be used in, a, in sympathetic magic. Smear the blood on a victim or his clothing to curse him. The victim with a, de with a death as agonizing as that of the hen. 
And then Alistair Crowley sacrificed animals in his magical rituals in 1909 while working with his assistant, Victor Nuremberg. Crowley had a for a formidable encounter with a demon named Choranzan. The demon was evoked in a ritual that involved slitting the throats of three pigs and pouring their blood upon the sand. So we have here some sources of blood are considered by this human blood to be more powerful than others. Human blood is identified with the soul and carries the greatest power. Ingesting human blood is believed to confer the powers and strengths of the victims upon the conqueror. Possessing few drops of a person's blood gives a witch or a magician power over that person or enables the magician to harness that person's emotional state. So it goes on. So the blood of executed criminals is said to be a powerful protector against disease and bad luck. And it's used in seals and packs. Wow, so this goes on. Then there's menstrual blood. There's all types of stuff. And I mean, the, the concept goes way back. So the actual, let me look up the actual sacrifice itself. The definition of sacrifice. And you should check this book. I'll send you this to Encyclopedia of Magic and Alchemy by Rosemary Ellen Gilly and Magic, the Ritual Killing of a Living Thing to Propitiate? Propitiate? No, it's not. Propitiate, whatever. Gods or spirits. Blood sacrifice is an ancient and universal custom. It is frowned upon in the modern Western magical rites, but it's still practiced in traditions around the world. <laughs> So it goes on, bro. I mean, the, the concept, there's human sacrifice, sacrifice and magic. Wow. This, this is deep, bro. This, this goes deep. But I mean, essentially, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's like the Aztecs cut hearts out of human sacrifices with flint knives. The still beating heart was held aloft by the priest and then placed in a ceremonial receptacle. The body was often dismembered and eaten in an act of ritual cannibalism. Yikes. Damn. Yeah, I think that uh, it's hilarious that it says all that. And then somewhere along the lines, it said something about sympathetic magic. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, um, But I mean, you know what sympathetic magic is, though, right? It's not like sympathy. No, I don't. So sympathetic Mm -hmm. magic is magic that when two things come into contact, they will never like quantum entanglement. So, for example, the voodoo doll, which has nothing to do with voodoo, but the voodoo doll is a sympathetic magical thing where you affect the doll and whatever's on the other side is affected. Again, they quantumly, and I've talked about it before, where you don't even have to be in, you know, looking at somebody to to affect them through the use of magic and sympathetic magic. It's not like, oh, sympathy. No, no, it's... It's affecting things from a distance. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> My ignorance on that. No, you're good. Um, but I, I think there is something to the blood. I mean, I, I feel like there would be like some kind of spiritual significance and maybe some transfer of energy. I'm not saying it's ethical or anything, but I think it, it's very possible that there could be something to that. Um, but yeah, uh, do you want to keep going on this whole sacrifice thing or we can... We could talk more about some alchemical stuff, or <laughs> yeah, what else you got on alchemy? Um, I mean, well, we can talk about uh, spiritual, or we can go over spiritual, and then I could talk about operative a little bit. You know, just you're probably familiar, like in terms of spiritual alchemy, there's like the you know, the common axioms like 
as above, so below, as within, so without. It's kind of like that idea of the internal is reflecting the external or the external is a reflection of the internal, so on and so forth. And then there's uh, another one's like solve et coagula, which is super applicable, like in terms of the alchemy that's done on either an individual soul or the operative uh, laboratory level, which is basically just to separate and then recombine. So if we look at it like, uh, you know, we, we as human spiritual material beings, we become contaminated and we accumulate impurities both in mind and body, you know, through, through diet or, you know, spiritual, psychological or mental diet or, or our physical consumption of toxins or whatever. So it's like, in a way, like alchemy is the study and the art and application or process by which we purify and bring ourselves or materials that we're working with into more exalted states or uh, initiate a transmutation of some kind or undergo a or facilitate an evolution, like you're saying earlier. Um, and there's like those the common seven stages. So we could look at like calcination, which is to like burn away or reduce. And then um, there's dissolution to dissolve like into a liquid. Um, separation, which is like the solve uh, aspect of solve at coagula, um, the separation. Basically, it's like in operative alchemy, you'd be separating the fixed from the volatile compounds. And then um, what's the other one? Uh, co coagulation or con conjunction, con congelation, I think. I'll look at uh, it. To congeal or conjoin. Uh, it's like, yeah, the alchemical marriage. So it's like, and I think the symbol for that one is the, the Taurus symbol, uh, which like Taurus, it marks the point of like the vernal spring equinox, which is, I think that's where we're at now. And I actually just learned equinox. The meaning of that's like equal night, equinox. Mm. Um, learned that from my friend Ike. So it's a time where there's a balance of the solar and the lunar energies. So that's the uh, that's the congelation. And then there's like fermentation, uh, which would be like putre putrefaction or spiritualization, where the old is kind of dying away, and then the rebirth is taking place. And then we got the distillation. Uh, which is like further purification, refinement, usually with some kind of heat applied or acceleration. And then congelation, which is the coagula, the, the recombination, the integration and converting the refined liquid into a solid, so to speak. So, yeah, it's kind of like the whole walkthrough of like the stages in terms of the common uh, processes. And then... I, I'm sure that you've seen there's this these diagrams the like the cosmology of uh, you know like common hermetic perceptions where it kind of will show like the prima materia at the top which is you know it's like the the one thing or whatever the all and then it's usually it can be depicted as like the yin and yang symbol so the one thing can divide into two. And then from that, we have like, we can either have like the solar or the lunar or the, the volatile and the fixed kind of branching out of that one. So it's like the two. And then, or I think there's also a term celestial salt and the celestial niter. 
And then from the fixed compounds, we get like earth and water. And then from the volatile compounds, we get air and fire. And those make up the four elements. And then those four elements, they go down and get like earth, water with salt, water, air with mercury, air, fire with sulfur. And those are like the three alchemical principles that most people are familiar with, the salt, sulfur, and mercury. And those relate to like the salt being like the body or like the fixed aspect of things, um, like the sulfur or the soul um, being the more volatile aspects of things. And the mercury in the middle is more related with like the spirit. So that's kind of like the general overview of the the cosmology, so to speak. And then like the alchemists, you know, they'd break everything down, anything and everything. They could break it down into the four elemental conditions. Like these days we have like our elemental table and science and whatnot with all these various different elements. So they would, they would kind of say that, all of those things can be broken down further into the actual four elements of earth, water, air, and fire. And then, you know, I used to be like really into supplementation and kind of learning all about the mechanisms of action, like with biological interactions and all of that. And I still am. Um, but, you know, partially because I wanted to improve my quote unquote ADD or my memory or my focus or whatever, or my sleep. So, like, for sleep, I used to pair, you know, like, 5-hydroxytryptophan with L-tryptophan with L-theanine with melatonin and dial in the particular ratios and get everything all specific. And, You're trying to ascend to know, the like, next dimension of your all... sleep, bro? <laughs> oh, man, yeah. That's if you want to uh, practice astral projection or anything along those lines, that's the formula. But, um. Yeah, I've tried different, you know, mental or cognitive enhancing supplements, different nootropics like bimpocetine, uh, phosphatidylserine, uh, ginkgo, omega-3s, different cholines, Adderall, modafinil, you know, all kinds of stuff. But I've always just been interested in this, the nature of, like, substances and how they interact with my biology because everybody's biology is different. And I think that's – people should be – exploring that in a very careful way and like a very gradual way I, you know i wouldn't like tell anybody to go do adderall or go you know take modafinil just like to try it or whatever <laughs> but um i think it's just all dependent on your own particular biology but that's for me that's kind of been like my path and it's what i've always been interested in you know different supplements that kind of got me into herbalism and trying to figure out like the most holistic and well-rounded way to introduce any like medicinal compound and integrate it with my biology with like the minimum side effects and eliminating anything that's not necessary. And that kind of led me to like spagyria and, you know, the community of people producing different spagyrics. And this is where it kind of gets into the realm of like operative laboratory alchemy and, you know, there's like good lineages and streams of information or groups or schools that kind of trickle down. Um, like there's like Frater Albertus and his whole philosophical research society and all that. And in Spagyria, you know, par primarily Paracelsian Spagyria, it's amazing. And regardless of how weird Paracelsus may have been, <laughs> we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It was fucking I mean, weird. He yeah. was largely... <laughs> 
yeah we we went over that in the homunculus episode so if anybody wants to go check that out you definitely enlightened me about a lot of things that i wasn't aware of um but like this the salt principle it's really important um in terms of like spagyrics and it's just uh like primarily like there's something when you you take it's not just like regular herbalism where you're creating a tincture because you're introducing you're calcining the residual plant matter basically um burning it down to a completely white ash and then you're you're diluting it in distilled water and then you're evaporating that distilled water to create a salt crystal so that salt crystal is basically what has gone through the fire and what remains um, in terms of whatever that plant matter is so it's you've heated it up to the maximum that you can it's gone through the fire you've burned off all impurities what's remaining is this white ash that you then dilute and evaporate and what and what you, the result is is these crystals these white crystals then you reintroduce those crystals into your tincture and interestingly the combination between the salt soul say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill for mercury the salt being that salt of salt that crystal the mercury being the spirit which is going to be like your ethyl alcohol uh preferably like an organic source and then the soul or the oil being like the essential oil of whatever compound or plant that you distilled those three principles you're recombining them and it forms these new compounds called micelles. And these micelles are like these colloidal suspensions that are basically like super, it basically renders the medicinal compounds super bioavailable. And there's been like some research done on this by, I think the, the name of the place is called Rootlands Biodynamics. Um, my buddy uh, Daniel Wiseman, as well as Warren over there at Evolved Alchemy, they've written some articles on this, and they've done a lot of work um, kind of like backing this all this up. But it's it's legit, and I think that it's something that people don't are maybe usually not too aware of within like spagyria or spagyrics, but I think that in the coming years, the understanding of spagyria in terms of medicine is going to be, I mean, there's not really anything better than it in terms of like introducing medicines, the, the most natural way that you can, that's the most gentle for your body and incorporating it into your biology. So that's kind of like my little thoughts on, spagyria in terms of like at least plant alchemy when you get into working with minerals and metals um i would recommend caution for anybody out there that is trying to acquire maybe like something like 
the oil of gold or the oil of uh, tin or the oil of copper or anything that you're going to consume in regards to the oil of a particular metal because you want it to be from somebody that knows what they're doing or else you could have mental issues arise for sure. So um, I've seen that happen and it's a real thing. The Taoists were drinking mercury, bro, trying to live forever. So if you were to take a little bit of, you know, copper tincture, I don't think that'll <laughs> a little bit too much. <laughs> I'm not a professional. I'm not a professional alchemist by any means, but these dudes back then were quite literally drinking mercury, bro, to try and live forever. I mean, that's the, that's where the extent goes. And it's very fascinating because if you really think about anything, even modern day chemistry, which they say alchemy is the, is the, the whole, no, no, not the precursor. What, 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 what did I, the sacred chemistry, right? Al, because you have a law, and this, the you know, El, Elohim, right? The whole God. And they say that alchemy is the sacred science, right? The, the, the divine chemistry. And so if you really think about pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. really, if, if how I've told somebody before, and this might be like stone, stoner thoughts, right? Like, you know, if you were to mix together the right amount of things, you could quite literally cure any disease you wanted, right? You could cure as long as you have the right, think about it, the right balance of this with that. And then if you take into consideration the reactions that that's going to have and then the reactions of the person, well, and I think this is what Falconelli meant when he was talking about how, because again, alchemy is whatever, and I don't want to say it's whatever you want it to be, but when you start to, Think about the concepts, for example, the elixir of life. It's not necessarily a liquid, right? The philosopher's stone. It might not necessarily be a stone. It could be, again, this byproduct of literally breaking through the barriers of reality in time and space and et cetera, right? A reaction. Totally. And yeah, I think that goes with the whole uh, as within, so without, or as above, so below thing. Because in my opinion, I think there's both the philosopher's stone in terms of physicality as well as spiritual philosopher's stone, like what you're speaking about. And some people will be like, no, it's all spiritual or no, it's all material. And I'm, I'm, the and I think that's that where they fuck up, bro. Both. When you, when you marry one idea yeah. and you go, no, it's this. Well, Bigfoot is a monkey. It's like, no, Bigfoot's interdimensional. Well, no, you know, like that's that's the whole same thing. It's no, it's it can be both, right? It could be an interdimensional monkey. Totally. <laughs> and it and it makes sense in terms of the philosophy. And if you I mean, if you do follow all of these things and you can see the effects of thing of things mimicked within terms of physical and spiritual and you can see the patterns it only makes sense that it is both in my opinion. And so if we want to get into some stuff with like the philosopher's stone, uh, there's, I mean, you could look at, there's something called like the Flamel path. Um, Nicholas Flamel's conception, at least of the philosopher's stone 
it was one of creating the stone that could, you know, turn base metals into gold, as many people have heard or are aware of and described as a red stone, I guess, um, a material stone by which one utilized for the transmutation or projection, um, kind of being like the final stage of utilizing the red stone and obtaining or creating the resultant gold. But yeah, so first you have to make the stone. And apparently he made so much gold that he was able to donate it all to all kinds of hospitals and build chapels and all kinds of shit like that. Um, But so I can get into the the formal path and into a little bit of detail if you'd like. So before we go there, I wanted to pull up because I wanted to show you some plates that I have and I've been meaning to do an episode on Edward Kelly because I think he's one of the more highly slept on alchemists because obviously the the debacle that he had with John D. But this is uh, this is uh, Edward Kelly's terrestrial astronomy. Uh, So Theatrum Astronomy Tetris and uh, allegedly it's how to create the Philosopher's Stone because I know you're going to be talking about Nicholas Flamel, which is. One of the, again, another one of these immortal alchemists that figured out he, he was able to conduct the magnum opus and right figure out whatever this thing was. And he was able to live a very long time. They say Basil Valentine, too, was also able to live for a very long time. And all these different Al- Falconelli was another one. So this is the first step, allegedly. Again, this is supposed to be Edward Kelly very cryptic and i know the the quality is not the best but you have this thing here these two i guess uh for as a furnace or like a a chimney and then we got the plate number two and it's there's 10 plates actually so we have this you have the i don't know if this is a green dragon or a lion or black and again, this might be a gold lion because it's black and white, but you have this dragon thing. And for those listening at home, check out the video. I'm going through some alchemical plates. It's one of my favorite things to do to look at different alchemical plates because they're just so weird. And this is why I'm saying, like, what were these guys on? Right. What, what 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 is he trying to convey? Right. Like, it's so cryptic. And then you have the floor here with the. Is it? checker pattern but it's not a pattern it's just and he goes on right and and look at the floor now the floor now is a a different pattern if you notice the floor is black and white now right it went from not being black and white to being black Mm -hmm. and white and now you have this dragon thing in the back is it burning the sun have the sun and then you have and here there's a person in here bro the homunculus and there's another one that's being poured into there too So you have the birds, and then you have this guy in the back. What's this guy doing? He's seeding the the, the fields, I Spreading guess. Spreading seed. Spreading his seed, I guess. And boom. Okay, now it went zero to one hundred real quick. We don't have a floor anymore. We're out on this rock with a dragon that's biting its wing, and then you have another dragon that's coming out of this flask with a little homunculus inside of it, eating the black sun. And then you have the moon. And now you have mm. the golden lion eating the green sun. That I know for sure. The golden mm. lion eating the green sun. Yep. You have an angel in here. But you also, another one of these things I like to do is I like to flip these things around. And I like to look Ooh. at them from different 
angles because that also holds a key. And again, we might have to mirror these together to get the the to get the the hidden message because you don't you don't know what these guys were on these mm -hmm. dudes. For sure. The next step, step number five. We have a little sun and something else here. You have the sun up here, like the Teletubbies. It reminds me of the Teletubbies. Remember the Teletubbies with the with the face on the sun? <laughs> yes. 100%. We have the checkered floor again. That's a dope ass. That's a dope ass outfit though. Bro. I'd wear that. I'd rock that to Walmart or something. Dude, you imagine? Hell yeah. <laughs> we have step Just number six. Style. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Now we have like this snake octopus looking thing within the flask at the bottom. Some more snakes up here. We have a little line now trying to eat the big line. We got we got some more birds. Hmm. This dude's just chilling in the middle of nowhere doing his alchemy. Step number seven. Kind of back to the same thing as we were. Now he's got a scroll. And nothing has really changed. Step number eight. Boom. Unleash another dragon eating the moon this time. One of the dragons is dead. The sun is burning. And there is a dead homunculus in this in this vessel jar thing now. And then step number nine, you take all of that and you recycle it back into the vessel. You got the black sun, mm. the moon, and he's stuffing. I think this is Mercury. One of these is probably Mercury. Oh no, this is the king and the queen. He's got a, a crown, right? And then, bro, it's that simple. Boom, the philosopher's stone. That's it. You're done. Oop, there it is. <laughs> You're done. That's Here's it. Day. Here you are. Look, now you got the Philosopher's Stone and you can transcend reality. Look at him. He looks like Jan he's got a Janus looking thing. Oh, and I, bro, that's dope. this blew my mind, right? Because I've never seen these. So check this out because Edward Kelly is highly slept on, highly slept on. And what, this picture, bro, I had like this crazy epiphany on a Patreon episode. Because if you think about, you know what this is? So you have the ocean, right? The salt from the ocean. And you have all these, mm -hmm. right? Right. The salt from the ocean, which, you know, in, in alchemy is important. You have the, probably the Orphic egg and somebody blindfolded. But check this out. You see these animals in the back. It's the in line. Well, what if, dude, check this out. This blew my, bro, this picture, like, it connected so many dots for me. What if Noah was actually an alchemist because a boat is a vessel, right? You have two of every animal. Well, oh, what if snap. that's code for some alchemical practice because the ark was a vessel of some sort, plus you got the ocean, right? So, again, when I saw this, I was like, yo. Noah was actually some adept alchemist trying to transmute the world, like the existence, bro. Like the entire thing, the whole thing, bro. Why else would there be two of every animal? I mean, again, that's just me thinking outside the box. But I mean, this shit is weird, though, right? I like it. <laughs> it's dope. I've never seen these before. It's really cool. Is there any indication that this is representative of Noah or are you just going off of the animals and the flask? 
I'm going off of the animals, right? The 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 vessel. This is the vessel, the two animals, right? The yeah. two of every animal in the vessel, and then the salt water, right? The ocean, the the flood, if you will, right? That's what I'm going based off of. And then again, that as soon as I saw that, and I was with homie Romy, he also said some stuff that alchemically changed what I was like looking at things, and I was like, yo, bro, what are you on, right? Yeah, that's fascinating. It's really crazy. <laughs> There's a lot to think about here. I'd have to look at this for like an He's hour. He's got the crucible <laughs> here. Got the the hand on the crucible. He's got the, the 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 circle, the sphere with the cross at the top of it. He's got a a wand, I guess, or a specter. I don't know what you, you would the, call it. The planetary symbols in there. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Got the sun and the moon on the left. You got the Mercury and Venus and uh, something else on the right. It's kind of hard to tell. Oh, Mars. Um. Yeah, so it's got all the planets. You got the like you were saying, the cosmic egg with the woman around all the animals in the flask on the ocean. Yeah, man, that's interesting. I don't quite know what to make of it. Neither do I, bro. But I really like. I really enjoy looking at this sort of thing. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up before you got into. Lamel and his whole thing because I know he's very important when it comes to alchemy and supposedly right he was able to give and become this philanthropist because he figured out the philosopher's stone yeah who knows and I don't even know if that was his real name I mean Flamel it's like flame L like the fire yeah. of God you know that could be like a symbolic thing or whatnot. even but yeah, his, yeah, his whole path it's like yeah. Uh, so his path is like a series of operations where you're creating like reguluses. Um, like you can create like martial reguluses or Venusian reguluses. So like with a Martian regulus um, for, for this process, the idea is you're creating a fusion of electrical and magnetic energy, uh, like the antimony from Stibnite, or it contains a, like the electrical aspect and then the iron contains like the magnetic aspect. So uh, if I recall, like you, you amalgamate the regulus with liquid mercury and, and dur during the amalgam, while things are in their liquid state, this allows the energies contained within the material to be transferred. So this part of the operations like intended to transfer the energy of the antimony into the mercury and then you amalgamate that with like gold or, or silver. Cause I guess you could do it with either one in order to give it a uh, proper solubility. And there's like specific ratios for all of this and whatnot to get like the correct solubility. And then, so like solubility is like the amount of a substance that's able to be dissolved uh, relative to the solvent. Like it's being dissolved into, um, so how much of a thing can be become incorporated into another thing, basically something along those lines. Um, so yeah, it has to be like specific so that you can crush it into a powder. So, so like if you crush your regulus and then amalgamate with your mercury, you get this like buttery type texture, I guess that over time it will solidify and then before it solidifies, you want to wash it and clean it of its impurities and then uh, 
wash it in a particular solvent like distilled water that doesn't contain any other minerals because they'll have like interactions so once you do this there's like something called the flight of the eagle and you do a, a number of these they're basically each just distillations of your amalgam and each flight or distillation further enriches the mercury with you know with like the energy that's contained within the antimony um and the silver the gold so you're making like super high vibrational animated mercury and i think there's a name for it it's called like double mercury or something like that and if you do too many of these eagle flights or too many distillations things can explode and there's you know so there's definitely like an element of danger with all of this um i think there's a sweet spot i think it's like seven you oh, want to like go for seven distillations <laughs> <laughs> pretty much <laughs> um but yeah after each distillation you have like your residual matter present in your distillation apparatus uh, which was revert, referred to as the dead doves of Diana. And I guess these are like the resulting crystallized metallic salts. Basically, these crystallizations of enriched metallic gold or silver that you then take and add back into each preceding distillation. Um, but before each distillation, you have to make a new regulus uh, with the dead doves every time. So you get your metallic salts, you incorporate them into the regulus, you redo your amalgam, and you redistill. So each distillation, uh, the minerals are un undergoing this energetic exchange, and they're being brought into further and further energetic balance. According to, uh, I think it was Gene Dubuis that I had listened to that kind of went through all of this, and he had like a translator. How do you how do you spell it? You know? him talking, and I kind of distilled i think it's g g e a n d u b u i e if i'm gonna guess jean de or jean de it's a french alchemist do you know what year that was so yeah this uh i do not know i'll look him up it's fine sorry i know he's dead so Allegedly. <laughs> mm. So this enriched, enriched double mercury, this is like what you need to revivify or awaken um, or redirect dead metals like gold or silver, you know, the resurrection of the sun or the soul. Because, you know, like an alchemy soul is representative of the sun, which I think is interesting. You have the whole idea of the resurrection of the sun. Maybe there's like some biblical parallels there. Um, but yeah, so... After all your eagles, when you amalgam the animated mercury with the gold, uh, I guess you incubate it for like six months to a year, and then it results in this like red resinous substance. Uh, and then the stone that you can then use, I don't know, to multiply gold in some way, something along these lines. But yeah, I got this from Jean Dubuis or John Dubuis, and I've heard people say that he didn't actually succeed using this path. I don't know if that's true or if it's not true, but apparently he did succeed with the acetate path, which is also referred to as the work of Saturn. And I could, you know, elaborate on that one too, if you wanted, but so that's, that's the, uh, when it comes, when it comes to alchemy then, cause what I'm picking up is 
There's even, as far as the practical side of it, because we know about Paracelsus, Paracelsians, Pagyrics, you have, you said uh, Albertus is, was another one, so I'm sure there's an Albertus, Spagyrics. There is... So there, there's different paths that you can even take that were part of whatever alchemist was, and you can take his path and continue his work or something. That's crazy. Yeah, I never thought about that. I know that. I just learned something new. Yeah, definitely. So one of the ones... Yeah. And I guess the... You know that path it comes from the you know, the records of the Flamel path, and I think it roots like to a guy. Or actually, I think maybe about uh, the Mary the Jewess or something, the prophetess in Alexandria or whatever. Um, but allegedly, the the alchemical works prior to her were lost, I guess, because of some Roman emperor dude named I think Diocletian who like destroyed all the records of all the texts or whatever but i guess uh the arabs kind of learned it from the greeks and then the egyptians uh before alexander you know and it kind of streamed down from all of them into spain and then they picked it up and then there's like uh who was it there's a christian missionary named raymond lull who published a bunch of texts uh maybe him or maybe it was people writing under his name um and there was like arnold de La- Arnold de Villanova, uh, then George Ripley. Um, so they all veiled all this stuff in like hermetic encoded language. And they used a lot of like wine making metaphors, at least when you get into like the acetate path, which is a different path. But they believed all metals and minerals basically grew out of this like slimy substance. Um, that's like the physical manifestation of uh the primordial chaos so like you know the whole as above so below idea there's like the the chaos of the above and then the the idea of it being physically manifest within the earth and that producing the different and growing metals like in the earth like they grow and they evolve and ripen out of the substance and the earth is like the womb that incubates metals. I mean, and metals are found in the earth and mines. So like we mine them, you know, so it kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, so all, all metals in their interpretation are basically just gold in various states of their evolution. So like silver is just on its way to gold or copper is just on its way to gold. Like all of these metals, they're just in different states and it's just a really long process and there's very specific circumstances before it gets to the state of being gold. And so, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. And, and scientifically like the goal speaking, is basically to reverse engineer. Scientifically speaking, we don't know how gold is made. I mean, gold exists, but we don't exactly know how it's, it came to be. So this would make a lot of sense that it's just these different levels of it are in different stages of achieving and becoming this gold and then here you have this alchemist who is this you know familiar with metallurgy i i i assume and is able to speed up that process but then again was it actually turning the lead into gold because according to everything that i've read that's just a byproduct right the light from that reaction changes your dna and you become this God essentially that you're able to piece out of this dimension and go, okay, see you later. 
boom, and just leave. <laughs> yeah, it's really sure. fascinating, man. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, like, mainstream, I mean, and who knows what kind of, over time, what kind of systems were put into place to prevent people maybe possibly from having access to the information because obviously gold has been historically one of the most valuable substances there is. So anybody that was to be able to create it would be basically a threat to any monetary establishment. So there would be an incentive on the, on behalf of anybody that was ruling to prevent anybody interested in producing it unless they were producing it for them, which they did in a lot of these instances. Um, But yeah, I guess basically the goal, you know, you want to reverse engineer these metals back into their chaos state, get it back to its beginning state or it's like original chemical condition. And then you want to provide the correct heat conditions and processes and evolve it on your own. That's like the, the alchemical uh, methodology. You want to be able to evolve these, want to be able to evolve the the substance on your own to create be able to create and grow your own gold and you can combine it with vegetable life i've heard so that it becomes like fertile and then can grow like because you in alchemy you can transfer uh there's like something called realm jumping my my friend roger he always talks about realm jumping he says alchemy is all about realm jumping so you transfer vegetable life into mineral life so think of like vegetable material or vegetable matter or vegetable life like a plant plants can grow quickly so you take that life force if you can somehow transfer that life force into the mineral or metallic kingdom and then you can grow your metals a lot faster something along these lines so yeah man there's there's so much but um the details of the acetate path uh I don't necessarily recall off the top of my head. I did some episodes with a guy uh, named Rubophilus where he went into detail about it, but it's it's a whole nother thing where you know, like I said, you're breaking metals, primarily like lead, into its chaos state, and then you're trying to evolve it on your own through processes of heat and conditions to then incubate or something somehow to grow or multiply gold I wonder, some way, shape, or form. So, <laughs> I wonder if Pokemon originally started as some sort of alchemical encrypted thing, right? Because yeah. you're supposed to catch them all, and then you're supposed to evolve them, and there's all these different types. Again, like the I elements. I always think about that. I don't know, man. That's really interesting as far as because that and that and again back to the idea that bro i mean if i read dude i'm gonna figure this out i'm gonna figure out how to make the philosopher's stone so the tree of life is the fruit of human wisdom so i'm gonna figure i'm gonna figure out all these plates one day and i'm gonna transmute some lead into gold <laughs> look at this oh, yeah. bro I'm with you yeah we need to learn how to read uh latin and greek and arabic <laughs> i don't know if you're familiar with any of those french would be helpful no spanish that's about it 
Yeah, there's probably some good stuff. I don't know. There's still a lot of alchemical books that haven't been translated to. I interviewed uh, this guy named uh, Dr. James Justin Sludge. He's like an esoteric uh, researcher. You got but him got on like your a show, PhD, bro? And he does a lot of stuff on. You yeah, were, you were yeah, able to back, get him actually. But um, yeah, I got him early on. Oh, that's why. Okay, because but uh. It was great. It was cool. And then, so that's one of the things I was asking him about was like, how many of these alchemical texts still haven't been translated? He's And he said there's like hundreds that haven't been translated into English, at least. I mean, the, you know, there's a bunch in Arabic and there's a lot of uh, Latin and it's just, I don't know, because people aren't interested or... Or what? But I think over time, people are going to be eventually getting into translating more and more of them. Yeah, and and it's not so much. I mean, how many people actually know about all the craziness that you and I have talked about the last hour and fifteen minutes? Probably not a lot of people. I mean, it's again, I, I, I always tell people when they want to start a podcast or something or do a show, I go, Hey, talk about what you like. And I like this sort of stuff. This stuff, this stuff, I find it super interesting because again, we're talking about not only a practical thing, but also a, a philosophical thing, a, a psychological thing, a spiritual thing. Like these guys were living that they were about that life. Like for real. They were uh, they were about it. Less talk, more do. They would spend years trying to figure out whatever this is. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like when you get interested and you start investigating, just like we were just looking at those images, it's like you almost have to become a like a decryptor. Like you have to become like a cryptologist or something because a lot of the language and the symbol systems you have to learn – what all these different symbols mean and they might mean different things to different alchemists or, or whatever, but it's kind of fun. And I think that, I mean, I don't know how nobody's interested in it. Like I can't help but be so interested in all this stuff. And I think that although I do talk about, you know, so much of the physical laboratory stuff in terms of like the philosopher's stone and creating gold, that's not necessarily what I think is like the most important focal point I just bring it up because a lot of people just want to like not talk about it or maybe they're just too lazy to look into it or I don't know, maybe they're afraid if they're wrong or whatever, but a lot of people just don't really touch on that so much. So I, I like to bring it up. And although I do think like the real value obviously is in the spiritual alchemical processes because that's like what's working on, you know, your actual soul. And I think that that, even when people think of things like different occult orders or whatever, they might have like these weird opinions about what these things are like within the Western esoteric tradition. And although there's definitely obviously always going to be weird fucking up to no good groups and individuals trying to take advantage of people, there are really valuable um, systems that people basically a lot of these systems are like doing a form of alchemy on people's souls in order to help facilitate a process of evolving 
their souls so that they can basically become better versions of themselves. And I think that that's also something that a lot of people miss and judge and kind of like make fun of or, or whatever. And even with things like Freemasonry, like a lot of people want to make fun of Freemasons. And I don't know, over time I've, I've made friends with a lot of different Freemasons. I'm not a Freemason myself, but a lot of really great people and a lot of educated people that have taught me a lot of shit that I didn't know. So I have a respect and I think the more I learn about it, the more I'm not as weary that mo- as most people may be. I think people are just usually it's, it's the unknown factor and there's a lot of fear in things that they don't know about, but yeah. So, you know, enter anything with caution, but don't judge something. Don't judge a group. Don't judge people anything like that like you know be careful and inquire carefully and for me I just I always try to hear people out and listen to their perspectives and then then kind of place my judgment you know what I mean yeah no absolutely I mean I don't think like I mentioned earlier I don't think one group has it all figured out I think that we how Manly P. Hall says as far as we are the philosopher's stone at the end of the day like the alchemical lab, the furnace, the the tubes, the beakers, whatever, all these things are our internal organs and our experiences is what makes that gold. And we're the only thing in the animal kingdom that's able to intake something non-material and put out gold. So right now by us reading about certain things, that's its own medium. We intake that and with our hands, we create the gold. We create the art, right? The art, the the arts is the alchemy and we create gold by making content like this or by making a painting or writing a book. Like we're the only animal that we can, that we can do that. We are the philosopher's stone. So I also like that. And the facets that are cut into the philosopher's stone are experiences. And I I like that interpretation of it as well, because again, it goes back to it not being a physical thing you can make it a physical thing if you want by how you're saying at the end of the day it's all about the spiritual transformation of the individual the practitioner the the alchemist himself and hey if you are able to transmute lead into gold hey what's a little that's like the sprinkle that's the cherry bro that's the that's the cherry on top of of whatever sure, yeah. this is you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah, just, I mean, I, just to rant a little bit more about like things like Freemasonry, just because I'm, I myself, I was so judgmental about Freemasons and like being skeptical about them. I don't know what it was just because of my perceptions. So I feel like I kind of want to like speak to that a little bit just as on your platform or whatever, maybe to some of your people. I don't know how they feel about this stuff. And I'm sure that there's you know always suspicious and shady characters obviously in every group but like like if i was to ask you like how many verifiable scandals or like shady dark arts uh like shenanigans have you researched involving freemasons that you can actually piece together in some kind of like organized criminal activity lay it all out in a very compelling way like i don't know maybe there's like one two three you know because the ones that get brought to my attention. I definitely do bring them up 
and I have in the past and I've done podcasts about them and I investigate them and it's not very many considering the amount of years and the amount of people that we're dealing with. Like there's like a, uh, something called like the P2 lodge, which I believe it got shut down, but that was like a big one. I think in the UK, um, there's a lot of like organized crime around it and all that stuff. But like, like if you think about how many Freemasons there are worldwide, I think I looked it up once and it was like 6 million or something globally in the United States or in the United States. I think it was like 2 million, 6 million globally. So if you think about like maybe police officers, um, I think, and all right, hold on, let me pull up some notes real quick. So in 2021, there were 660,288 full-time law enforcement officers employed in the United States. So in terms of numbers, like nine times more Freemasons than police officers. And I would say there's way more shady and fucked up situations involving police officers. (laughs) You know, obviously they're dealing with a lot of stuff, but still, even if you look at like church pastors, in the United States, there are about 30,000. So if you look, like 200 times less individuals, but way more shady shit on the historical record. But still, there's a lot of great pastors. There's a lot of great police officers. And people are people. And there's always going to be, you know, fucked up and shady people that take advantage of situations and power positions and do sketchy stuff. But, yeah, I don't know. I think like the best criticisms that I've heard made in terms of like Freemason phobia or whatever is the hesitant, like the hesitancy, the criticism in regards to maybe like gatekeeping certain information at higher levels. I'm open to that possibility. Um, I'm not really in a position to know, but I mean, Hey, maybe that's a thing. Um, I don't know, though, because like the individuals I've talked to, they've been really open and they've shared a lot of information. Some of them I didn't even know were Freemasons until they had mentioned it to me or whatever. But um, I just thought I'd kind of like throw that out there because I think in the community of like that me and you are in or maybe like Sam Tripoli or like different kind of alternative communities, there's a lot of people that are hesitant to even engage with a lot of these individuals or they're skeptical or they have like a biased perspective and i i one of my like goals i want to like break that whole thing and like unify or help unify people because it i don't know it's something that always kind of bothered me but just a little rant sorry about that no you're good man because i mean one of my co-hosts is a freemason right i don't have anything against anybody I'm not a part of any secret society. I don't think that nowadays, especially, do you need to be part of any societies because there's so much information out there. If you go looking that you're going to find whatever it is. I don't think, how again, going back to the beginning, I don't think that one guy has figured this out or one group has figured it out to where you need to dedicate, you need to sacrifice time to be in there. And then at the highest levels, they go, hey, the secret is that there is no secret, but you can't tell anybody because we need to keep this going. Right. So it's like, oh, OK. And now I get right, there's a pyramid scheme this whole time. And again, how you said, I think that when it comes to the occult, I think that it's something that's there. That's that you can write. You have the left hand path, right hand path. It's something that's like the force. You can either use it for good or you can use it for evil. And you're saying there are there are and there will always be 
shady characters within any organization, even within the good organizations that have sinister motives behind whatever that movement is, right? Maybe, maybe the Knights Templar were good guys at the beginning and there were just some shady individuals within that, that thing that were like, Hey, you want to worship Baphomet, bro? They're like, yeah, let's do it. It's like, but wait, nobody can know. It's like, and then they started doing their own thing. Who knows? Right? Like we, it's all history at this point, but it, you, you bring up a good point, man. Let's let's <laughs> all secret societies matter. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Right, all all occulted <laughs> groups matter. All secret yeah. societies matter, and yeah, dude. And like, at the end oh, of the day, hilarious. bro, like, yeah. just how I tell everybody, don't be a piece of shit. Love yourself, love everybody near you, and just be be a good uh, as as the best person as you can be. You know, become the best person you can be. That gold, right? Take that lead and transmute it into gold. The best person you can be to be a contributing member of society right that's the that's the only advice i really give people and if you got kids don't be a deadbeat dad right love your kids look for your kids because again i mean you have you have that a lot right be the best person you can be and again that's just coming from me i'm not that old bro i'm about to be 29 next month so i've only been living a little bit of years compared to other people congratulations thank you man but you have you have anything else to add, bro? Any, You're doing well. Else? You're ahead of the game. Anything else you want to plug before we get out of here? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I just think uh, I I like what you said. I think that unfortunately there are like in the occult community or the esoteric community. Obviously, there's a lot of people that are drawn to it for the wrong reasons. Maybe people that are interested in seeking power or seeking access to uh, wanting to control other people or whatever, and I like to personally try to be somebody who's not that way. And I try to get lead by example in the way that I'm promoting exactly what you're saying, you know, uh, virtuous qualities and, you know, promoting things like compassion, love, all of those good things. Um, care for your family, go fucking start a garden, you know, do something great. Be, uh, the best person you can be and just try to continue being, the best person that you can be and don't make a judgment on things that you're not well studied in. If you're interested in something, try to research it to the best of your ability and, you know, make the best assessment that you can, but listen to multiple people talk about it from different backgrounds so that you don't get a biased perspective. Um, yeah. Besides that, uh, Appreciate you having me on. Uh, your podcast is awesome. You're killing it. Um, I appreciate you a lot and what you're doing. Um, thank you again. Uh, my podcast is Philosophical Minds Podcast. You can find it on Instagram, YouTube, all the RSS feeds, all of that. So that's that. I appreciate you too, bro. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming on. And you're, you're, you have a great podcast as well. I'm going to link it in the description. If you want to check him out, go show some love, subscribe to his YouTube, subscribe to the RSS feed. And if you're listening to this on the RSS feed, leave a five-star review for myself and for Sky. Go over there. As always, everyone, see you on the other side.